Welcome to the podcast, 10 Solutions for a Feminist Climate Resilient Recovery. I am Maria Lee from the Global Network, WOCAN, Women Organizing for Change in Agriculture and Natural Resource Management. The current global crisis presents a unique opportunity to put climate resilience at the center of the conversation around what is important and how to build a better future for all. The solutions to build resilience to crisis are linked to the preservation of our Earth's resources and the stewardship of these. In this podcast series, we will be sharing 10 solutions for a climate resilient post-recovery through conversations with international thought leaders. Today, we talk with Dr. Jeanette Gurung about her perspective on COVID-19 post-recovery and about compensating women's social and environmental contributions as a solution for a feminist and climate-resilient recovery. Jeanette is a forester and an international gender and development expert. Her whole career has been dedicated to supporting women's leadership and promoting gender equality in agriculture and natural resource management. She is the executive director of WOCAN, a global network she founded in 2005. She's also the innovator of the W plus standard, which measures, quantifies, and monetizes impacts of projects on women's lives. Welcome, Jeanette. I'm really happy to have this conversation with you about COVID-19 post-recovery solutions, in particular to better understand the way you connect what this crisis reveals with the need for climate resilience and how to shape this post-COVID recovery with a feminist angle. So my first question to you is, from your perspective, what has become more evident in this time of the COVID-19 and in particular, how the pandemic has revealed gender inequality? Thanks so much, uh, Maria. It's a great pleasure to be, to be invited to join this podcast. Uh, I think that we have to first look at the existing problems and the existing gender gap that is in the pre-COVID scenario. Um, and this is that women have provided the lion's share of, of labor in households and farms all around the world, which is unpaid or at best underpaid. And that's nothing new. Women make up the bulk of healthcare workers, of farmers, um, and underpaid and unpaid workers in the world in all kinds of economic activities. So women, but we also know that women's economic agency and power is one of the main factors that drives economic and political empowerment. Uh, and yet it, there's so many gender inequalities that bar women from accessing resources critical resources, including money, um, knowledge, uh, and other resources, so that they're not able to completely enact uh, the economic agency to the fullest extent possible. And it's a well-known fact that women receive wages that are less than those of men for performing the same jobs. Hmm. So, so it, it is something that is not new, as you mentioned, but how is then this pandemic and this 
particular situation of the COVID-19 enhancing or exacerbating those inequalities? So I think it's been really fascinating for us to step back and, and look um, and learn from so many discussions we've been having uh, with leaders in, for example, in the climate world, uh, as well as listening to a lot of webinars and meetings and other people's thinking about this. But certainly what we've seen, and we see it on our televisions every day, is a fantastic new appreciation of the work that's being done by what's called essential workers. And these are people who are carrying out the jobs that are critical to fighting the virus, but also to maintaining food supply chains in times of emergencies, such as the one we're in right now. These are hospital workers, nurses, janitors, but they're also farmers, grocery store clerks, and so many others who must come into contact with others do not have the luxury of being able to stay at home and practice social distancing, for example. But they're also all of, the, all of the people who take care of elders, take care of children, who provide critical services for the society and for local communities. These are teachers, social workers, caregivers. And all of these are receiving a lot more attention and a lot more value um, when we're seeing how we really need them most at this time and when we see how difficult our lives all are when we are not able to access the services provided by these people. So <clears throat> we see also that women in all categories are holding together their families during this economic hardship um, and, and performing their duties with empathy. And I and of course, I'm thinking here in particular in hospital rooms um, where they're often the only person that's uh, along with a, a dying patient. But it's also women and families who are, you know, maintaining the mental health and well-being of the family as well. We're also becoming more aware of gender inequality within our own households. And, and here in the U.S., um, where people are often not very aware of this, there are households of American couples where, where workers are staying home, where perhaps both the men and, or the husband and wife may be, or both of the spouses may be professionals. And they're finding that there is indeed an unequal sharing of household tasks that's always been there again, but it's starting to become more noticed as everybody's um, holed up together in the house together. So these, recognizing this work alone is not sufficient. These jobs that we talk about um, are not well paid. And guess what? The large majority of these jobs are filled by women. Women who must put their own health at risk by showing up to work, for example, to bring home an income, don't have the option not to go to work. And, and in a post-recovery post scenario, we really must find ways to compensate these women adequately and fairly if we're going to build a sustainable and resilient world. So the link, the link to the climate resilience is, is not that very different, right? So we see in there are actions that mitigate against climate change and provide climate resilience. And these are activities such as tree planting, um, using climate smart agriculture practices, managing water supplies, using renewable energy sources for cooking and heating, etc. All of these activities engage women. And the roles that women play and the contributions they make to these activities are often invisible or at least not recognized. So think about how the world pictures 
the farmer. And the farmer is always seen as a man, despite the fact that women are the primary farmers of the world. So women, we, this, is, this is just a picture, an example of the invisibility that women often play within this climate-related sectors. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is a good point that you mentioned. I mean, this, this is one thing that the pandemic kind of revealed, shine, shining the light on the work and the labor of, of women in all different sectors, but also mentioning that this is just not enough and we need to go further not only to recognize, but also to value and put a compensation into the, the, the contribution that they have. Exactly. And, and I think and what I, the, the really strong thing I want to say about women's role in the environmental management is that um, that, that type of work they do is often completely unpaid. Um, they're not even receiving wages, for example, for nurturing the trees, planting planting trees, uh, managing forests, and things like this. And so they need, in a way, to be seen um, as providing a, a good and services, public good and service, that is it, the whole planet is benefiting from. Um, and they're doing that by the infusion of their own labor and their own knowledge about how so to do is it is it about putting a, a, an economic value a financial value in in that role in that work it is absolutely it is absolutely number one recognizing it as i said it's often invisible and number two compensating and compensating it fairly understanding now the extremely high value that that activity has for all of us i mean a woman uh maintaining a forest in zimbabwe um, has an impact on the global <clears throat> carbon emissions and we're all the whole planet benefits from her actions so absolutely it's about an economic value and it's also about providing them with more financial resources so that they're able to do more of that and do it even better. Mm. Now, with the Sustainable <laughs> Development Goals and, and the SDG 5 in particular that focuses on, on gender equality, in a way we could say that there is some level of recognition that now is there internationally at the national level as well and we also have in relation to, to the climate a gender action plan with commitments for the governments and, and at the national level to, to do more for, for gender equality. So what would be a different solution or a concrete solution that your organization WOCAN would bring and, and could share that would contribute to both this recovery but also strengthening climate resilience? Exactly. It's a great question. So Wokan's theory of change rests on our belief over based on years of experience and observation and inputs from our members all around the world that women's collectives, women's organizations at all levels from the community to global women-led NGOs have enormous and largely untapped potential to effectively tackle the large problems of the world, poverty, food security, climate change, and now maybe we add this kind of pandemic responses. Um, and yet, we know very well that these women's groups are not receiving this the, the support that's necessary to enable them to, to carry out this work effectively. So we developed the W plus standard um, in 2015 as a framework that measures women's empowerment at the project level. And we did this for, for, 
four reasons. First and foremost, to increase the rigor and accountability of gender initiatives, because yes, there are these gender um, policies, but as we all know, the enforcement of those policies and the implementations of the policies is lacking. So how do we how do we increase the accountability of that? Number two, how do we incentivize new investments in women's empowerment? And this is particularly important to the climate sector, where climate sector actors are often not very gender responsive and not doing things that may be benefiting women in significant ways, but they could. What do we need to incentivize them to do more in this? Number three, we thought that if we could create a market-based, results-based financing mechanism, <clears throat> this would be a way that we could get, um, we would generate quantified W plus units that could be bought and sold and traded. This is based on the understanding of how carbon units did the same thing for the environment. Carbon market created a market-based mechanism to put an economic value on an environmental good. And the same way we're trying to put an economic value on women's empowerment is a way to potentially compensate and incentivize more activities for women. So, so that's the recognition of, of women's work, that's making it from invisible to visible, that's putting a value in it. How this relate then to um, supporting women in more activities to strengthen climate resilience? Two ways. So, and, and really the reason Wokan created this FW Plus system was a way to channel funds to women at the community level. Again, recognizing we really believe that's the group that can make these transformational changes. How do we get resources to them? So we created the rules for the W Plus and we said at least 20% of the revenue from every W Plus unit sale has to be supplied to women women's groups engaged in the project down at the community level. They can do whatever they want with that um, related to their own sense of needs of their communities. This can also be this channeling of funds directly to women's group through this W plus results-based payment is also could be understood as an effective and transparent way to value and compensate women for the care work they do in environment and support them to do even more. The other idea is the second way is that it's, it's also a way to incentivize those climate actors, as I mentioned, climate project developers, so that they also are going to be receiving more resources more activities that benefit women. So there's a two, two ways in which women's work, women are compensated here. Can you share maybe one example of where it was applied and, and how then it uh, did empower women to this channeling of funds and for activities also around the climate? So I think a really perfect example is the one that the that Wokan won the UNFCCC uh, Momentum for Change Award for, which is a biogas project in Nepal. And I think this is a perfect example. This is a case where the government uh, uh, of Nepal was establishing biogas units to cut down on forest uh, usage for fuel wood uh, in households across the country. And they were doing this for an environmental reason primarily. They were generating carbon from the biogas units and, the, and they were selling that carbon and receiving the revenues. 
What, what was going on at the same time was women's lives were being changed by the fact that they no longer had to go search for fuel wood, no longer had to do all, and, and put up with the smoky kitchens, etc. So there were huge changes going on in women's lives, but this was a case where the project itself didn't see those things because it wasn't measuring those things. So this is a case where Wokan came in, measured just the time saving, which was two and a half hours per day per woman by not having to go out and get fuel wood, but having this biogas unit. We then generated some W plus units from the measurement of those impacts. We sold those units, we returned the money to the women at the community uh, and, the, and the community groups and we watched how they, it was up to them as we said, but they used it for activities such as starting um, new agriculture, home garden activities, um, building a new water supply system, et cetera, et cetera. It was up to them, but in fact, many of the activities they did were building their resilience. Mm. And the other thing I wanna say is resilience, I think, is there's nothing better than having a nice cash reserve um, if you want to build resilience for yourself in case of a disaster. And so that, again, is the understanding that women at the grassroots level need not just capacity building and more cook stoves, they need cash. They need cash. Um, they also need cash infusions into their own savings and loans group um, savings and loans accounts that they manage, which could again be tapped into uh, at the time of a disaster or to undertake resilience building activities. Mm. So it, it is indeed a, a perfect solution that combines benefits for women and benefits for the environment. And also, as you mentioned, build resilience, which is something that is so important in uh, all crises and particularly right now, whether it is how women can get more cash so they could do some, some activities or just be able to, to buy food for, for their family in times where they can't work, but also being empowered because they got involved in activities that gave a give them a role and an importance maybe they didn't have or they didn't see before, uh, didn't value themselves. I just wanted to ask you then, how can this type of solution be scaled up? What is needed to really make this solution something that is widely used? That's, again, a very good question. And I think the understanding here and the reason we sort of developed this also as a market-based activity was that um, if, if we can if we can start to build a strong market for this, when, when not only um, companies, but also donor agencies and even governments understand that this is a system which not only um, is transparent and tells them, it's, it's the W plus standard is also a design mechanism, not just a kind of evaluation tool. So um, we can help governments and others uh, across the board, across all kinds of activities, understand the uh, results that their programs are having for women. And we can, we can scale it up through the fact that this is a market-based activity um, and is widely applicable through many different contexts. So, and I, I, and I think the other thing to say here is that this is a really unique time, at least in our lives, and it, and it really offers a kind of profound opportunity in, in what the UN Secretary General even said is a way to steer the world on a path that tackles climate change, protects the environment, reverses biodiversity loss, 
and ensures the long-term health and security of humankind. And, and recognizing that this is creativity and innovation are, are come out of these kind of crises moments. So it's a time to reimagine, reshape the future. And I think it's a time for the, the most innovative, ambitious ideas that we can come up with. And, I, and these need to be, and this is maybe not always said strongly enough, and we want to say it here in this podcast series, these ideas need to be based on feminist principles. Feminist principles of, of inclusion and equality. With and, and, and with compassion and with a humanness. And I think this is another thing we've seen very strongly come out during this COVID time. It's, we've seen even here in the US, it's not a time necessarily that companies will be pushing their products, for example. There's an understanding this is a time of, of needing to be showing that you're, you care. And I think that's really critical. And my last point I'd like to say is that all the responses need also a gender approach. It can be a feminist approach, but it's got to be the case that men are not excluded um, and men are absolutely critical to the kind of transformative um, solutions that, that we would like to see in this post-COVID recovery. Thank you, Jeanette. So to conclude, where can we find information about the W plus standard and uh, your organization, WOCAN? Please, we have two websites, on, uh, one for WOCAN and one for the W+. So please do check us out at WOCAN. It's www.wocan.org. Uh, and for the W+, it's wplus.org. Um, and don't hesitate to contact us if you have any further points you'd like to discuss on this topic. Thank you very much, Maria, for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Jeanette. You've been listening to WOCAN Podcast, 10 Solutions for a Feminist Climate Resilient Recovery. If you want to know more about WOCAN's activities, please go to www.wocan.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.